0: What an amazing promise. (laughs) I will see the goodness of the Lord. Not just when I die, go to heaven, the rapture comes, you know, the new age. But the scripture says that we can now taste of the powers of the age to come now in this life. 1 John says, as he is now, so are we in this world we don't have to wait for heaven i will see the goodness of the lord you know there's something in the in the faith of that that you need to connect with this morning i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living so we break the power of every ideology That would put off reward, that would put off salvation, the fruits of salvation, the fruits of righteousness, liberty, deliverance, freedom. We say in Jesus' name, we're going to have it now. And it's not selfish to ask for it. It's the promise of God to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Well, the question is, how do you get it? Well, if you stick around for the message, we well, might get an insight. Because God is speaking. You know one of the things that's so amazing to me. When I got saved, the glory of the Lord came on me in a bar in Cold Lake, Alberta. And uh, I knew little. I knew I, I couldn't even explain to anybody for months afterwards what happened to me in that bar. But how many of you know that we've not been destined to darkness? And the obscurity over my understanding gave way to a clarity about what God was doing, what his intention is, how he works. And I want you to know this is the promise that you have, that you can enter the goodness of God, but there's a way that that can happen and God wants to explain it to us. We're not, it's not guesswork how to enter the kingdom. It's not guesswork how to partake in the good life. That mystery is available to those who fear him. And so, I pray, God, this morning for a spirit of revelation. And uh, thank you, Lord, that you're going to give us more clarity. So, welcome today. If you're visiting, if you're online with us today, great to have you. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, thank you for what you've provided. Uh, One of those things is healing. And so, we say right now, in Jesus' name... We reject sickness. Uh, Anybody with pain in their body, pain in your left ear, in Jesus' name, let infirmity be removed from your midst. If you're watching online, you had pain in your left ear. That's a spirit of infirmity attacking you. You don't have to accept it. Break the power of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I was up, Not too too early, but I had planned on sharing a message with you on the power of an open heart. It was Wednesday night at prayer. We went into something, and it was it was a lot of fun. I I thought it was a lot of fun. How many were here Wednesday night? Yeah, was that fun? Did you guys enjoy that? It was, you know, we we in our culture, in our Christian culture, because of some of the influences of. Of what we're in, and the reality is, there's you know the the truths, the emphases of of different parts of the gospel. The the pendulum swings to excesses, and then it swings back, and we we lose you know portions. The closer you go to this end, you sort of neglect this other end, and so there there are bandwidths, parts of the bandwidths of truth that get lost as we're emphasizing. You start emphasizing the goodness of God. And suddenly the chastening of God becomes inconsequential to a bunch of people. And so, and so the nature of that is, is a part of the organic na- uh, reality of being who we are, uh, in, unable to uh, focus on 100 things at the same time and keep them in view. And so one of the things that's happened is that we've lost the ability to seek the Lord. We know how to praise, we know how to exalt, we know how to, we know how to pray, we know how to intercede, we know how to petition, you know, we've learned all these things, spiritual warfare, and if you're new to the body of Christ, you're thinking, I don't know any of that, you know. Well, you have to stick around. But uh, uh, the truth is that there are, there are different aspects to what God is teaching us to do. And one of the things that God is teaching us to do is to seek him. Seeking well, I. But I'm already saved. Yes, but He's massive. He, you know, what can be known of God is literally infinite, and what we are applying ourselves to is to know the measure of who He is beyond what we presently know. And uh, that is a constant pursuit. Except this, this, that, that, that. These are treasures. What can be known of God is a treasure. And, and God, he, he told us this. He said, listen, don't cast your pearl before swine. But he wouldn't tell us to do that unless he already is doing that. What does that mean? That means the greatest treasures are the most priceless things, but I only give those to those who truly want them. Because those who truly want them will care for them and will value them And so, therefore, I hide the greatest treasures from those that are foolish. And that's the nature of this journey. And so, how do we cross over into that dimension of finding those greater treasures that as yet are unavailable to us, seeking him? And uh, so, I was going to talk about that this morning. But... I woke up and, and, uh, this is the way the Lord works with me is, is that I began thinking about the scriptures and the ideas around this, and there was a certain opaqueness to this. It was the certain clarity that I had Wednesday was kind of gone. And I thought, well, it could, you know, I'm just going to meditate on the Lord and it'll start to illuminate. That's what happens for me. It's like, it's like all the truth, the possible things that God would want to say to us this morning, it's like this massive manuscript laid out, and, and what happens like a flashlight. He begins to shine on one portion, and that's the part that becomes clear to me. I don't see the manuscript like that. I get the perception of clarity, and that's how I begin to focus on what is clear, what is becoming clearer, and the more I meditate on it, the clearer it becomes, and so this morning, I, I had this other thing come up, and I was thinking, no, 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 I'm really ready. I, I, I have something. But you know, apparently, uh, God has something else. So I'm going to do the something else. Rather than talking about the power of an open heart, I'm going to talk about cleansing the fallow ground, which is also about the heart but it's a different aspect of what God wants to do in the heart. So as I was meditating on this, all these scriptures came to, t- came to mind, and one of them was Proverbs 13, 23, and this is what it says. It says, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. That means that if if all the ground that I could possibly access is, is the size of, you know, in my life, in my walk with God, is represented by this black portion, this, this dance floor portion. But I'm only actually cultivating one square. That means the potential of all these other squares producing harvest is being lost. And that's, that's, that's the reality of our lives, is that we have the ability to produce the capacity, the innate um, uh, uh, provision that God has made from our hearts to produce this much and, and God is saying okay go ahead begin to sow righteousness begin to cultivate in your heart but what happens is, is we only cultivate a part and we leave the rest undone so how do you undo that? how do you change that? that's what we're going to talk about today because we don't want to be like the poor And basically the poor are the slovenly You know there's a lot in Proverbs About people who don't apply themselves Aren't faithful Don't do what they can And and it's, it's recognized as you know Not as good Right? Are, are you with me? So one of the things that we want to do this morning Is dis- dismiss the notion That everything is accidental We want to get out of that This idea that the tragedies that happen to me, you know, the the difficulties, the complexities of my life, you know, things that happen in your marriage, things that happen in your job. What what God is trying to deliver us from is randomness. And deliver us from randomness into dominion. See, dominion is where you're in charge of destiny, you're in charge of your journey. Randomness is when you are a victim. Things happen to you of which you are you have no no power over, so you you just kind of well, that's that's so it is. Case sera, sera but what God is telling you? No, you you can deliberately take the reins of your life. But where we don't want to take the reins of our life, we we appeal to random. <laughs> I did it right, yet it didn't work out. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I've given that illustration before. You know, you, you go and open that IKEA package, you start putting it together, and things don't fit. Your first response is, they put the holes in the wrong spots. <laughs> right? I, that was my default. It's, it's always, oh, this part doesn't go there. <laughs> and uh, it's very rare. You know, sometimes there are manufacturer's defects, you know, in those things. But, you know, they've done this a million times over. Those holes are in the right place. Suspect yourself, and so uh, that's I've lived by that. I suspect myself. I uh, I I take responsibility, and we've talked about this over and over in this church, because uh, we're we're talking to people who aren't just born again yesterday, but you're on a journey into your destiny, and we want to help you get into your destiny, and not get stuck somewhere along the line. In some world of powerlessness where you are constantly the inherent victim of your story. You are not the victim of your story. Everything necessary for life and godliness has already been provided. So the question is, are you using the tools that you have? Do you know how to use them? And one of the things that, uh, the and I've emphasized this over and over, but if you're new here today, let me say this. Jesus gave this lesson. It's a great lesson. It's one of the the, the the elementary principles on Christian growth, but it says this, Out of the heart proceed jealousy, wickedness, anger, rage, and all those things. So when the disciples were were doing things the Pharisees thought they shouldn't do, and they said, No, your, your disciples are unclean. He said, No, no, uncleanness doesn't come. Uh, From outside, it comes from inside. And that's the principle we've taken into the New Covenant. It's that that nobody makes me mad, though they do help me see my anger by bringing it to the surface. And that's once you actually become comfortable with that, then you turn your focus on your own fallow ground. Instead of, well, if you would stop shining the light on my field, I wouldn't see it personal responsibility is a cornerstone of the Christian faith. It is empowering. It doesn't make us a victim. It makes us a ruler. And so much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. And we want to make sure that whatever God has made available for us, we are making the most of. Can you say amen? Amen. Now the expression fallow ground. I was looking it up. It basically means uh, unuseful ground. Now, uh, you know, I'll read some of the scriptures. But basically, when you leave the ground fallow, that means it's it's hard. It's it's been it hasn't been plowed, hasn't been worked up. One of the things you realize is that fallow ground does not produce very well. Now, as it happens, Jesus talked a lot about the ground, didn't he? Uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. There's this amazing parable in here, and I'm, not gonna tr- I'm trying not to spend all my time on this parable, but we need to highlight the elementary principles of this parable because in this parable, Jesus is actually talking about your heart. He's also talking about the yield that your heart will bring based on the condition of your heart. That's what he's talking about. And uh, it's, it's an amazingly powerful, powerful message. So in chapter 4 of Mark, verse 3, it says, listen. I like that. Listen! <laughs> I, wonder how, I wonder how he said that. Did he say it like that? <laughs> Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed. Some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seed fell in the stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up But because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was, was up and it was scorched and because it had no root it withered away and some seed fell amongst thorns and the thorns grew and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a good crop that sprang up, increased the pr- Increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60, and some 100. And then he says this love this. When Jesus says this, he's saying, Listen, some of you are going to get this and others not. He says, To him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And sometimes we get things in degrees. That's why there's 100 fold, there's 30 fold, there's 60 fold. He said, listen, I'm giving you a prescription for a hundredfold harvest here. That's what I'm doing. It's a powerful thing. But he's talking about different types of soil. Now, he says, you know, it's arbitrary, right? Four types of soil. One's good, three are bad. Basically, three of those are like fallow ground. They don't produce very well, they're unsuited, unprepared for doing that. And. Sometimes what we do in our life is we say, well, you know, what are you going to do? The seed came, and this is how much it produced. What am I to do? You know, I mean, I, 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 I've, I've produced 30 or 60. I, I'm just destined to do this. No, you're not. That's right. You're not destined to produce just 30. What are you doing with your, with your ground is really the question. Thanks, much produce is in... The fallow ground of the poor. The message is you could have more harvest. It's in your power. It's in your reach. It's in your power, and it's in your reach. Now we're not talking about mere soil. Here we're talking about our hearts. So uh, how does this work for us in our hearts? Well, listen, this is so good. I'm, I'm being like Jesus. I said, listen. If you follow on, this is the powerful thing. If you follow on, he says in verse thirteen, and he said to them, Do you understand this parable? They didn't answer in this <laughs> right here. Other times he said that and they said, Yes, Lord. They lied. <laughs> they don't even answer. Of course they, they later on they're drinking up the explanation. But this is what he says after. Do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? I want you to think about that for a second. How will you understand all parables if you don't understand this one? What he's saying is this parable, this story, this illustration, this truth that I'm bringing to you is a key for all future fruitfulness in your understanding and revelation. I better get this one then <laughs> because if I can get this one my understanding of the kingdom of God will blossom in significant ways I'm hoping I have enough time to get through all this today but so he gives the, he gives the understanding here the sower sows the word and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for the sake of the word, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. Now, good ground is not the best ground. You see that? 100 fold ground is better than 60, and 60 fold ground is better than 30. So there's good ground and there's great ground. You can have great ground. Now, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are in your life right now, what situations you're facing. There is a harvest in your future if you embrace the truth, the hard truth, that you are responsible for the soil of your heart, that you have the ability to make it better. You have the ability to break up the fallow ground. Now, I'm gonna open my other... My, my, this is what it says, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. It says... Uh, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. Now, it's interesting. It's actually a different analogy. He's going to circumcision, but he's still dealing with the same thing. It, It has to do with your ability to connect with the things of heaven. I'll stop there. I won't read any further. Hosea ten twelve is the other one that's so great. Listen to this. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. See, this is the connection between what I was talking about Wednesday night, which I'm sorry we didn't get a recording. But your ability to have better ground hinges on your ability or desire or willingness to seek the Lord, to, to lean in, to press in, to, to go for what you don't have right now because what you don't have is not just a secret, not just information, not just a, a greater throne in eternity. It has everything to do with productivity right now because you're sowing righteousness and what you're trying to do is bring a harvest of righteousness in your life. The alternative is is what you know James calls an overflow of wickedness which we've talked about again and again and again. We find ourselves at different days, different seasons of our lives where there are triggers that bring forth things we don't want. And what we do our best solution is like cover it up. Don't say that. Don't think that. You know, or if you're going to do that, go in the woods. Until the rage has subsided, But the message is this. Listen, that rage has a source, and the source are not the circumstances around you, the people around you, or what's happening outside of you. The source is inside of you. In other words, the reason why you're not as productive in terms of the, the righteousness that could be coming forth from your heart is because the ground of your heart is unsuitable for that kind of harvest, and it's bringing forth thorns and thistles. Stony ground. And the point is, well, I guess, hey, well, I guess that's it. You know, this is what I am. I got a a hard heart. No, 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 no. Do something now. What do you say? Seek the Lord. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. Seek the Lord. Now, when I was a young Christian, this was, I mean, God would remind me of this almost weekly. It would be constant. Hosea, the scripture in Hosea was over and over. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. Here's a part of our problem. Like, ah, well, it's not that bad. According to who? Are you with me? So, God is wanting to empower you. God is wanting to change the kind of harvest that's coming forth from your life. Furthermore, you eat. Furthermore, you're not necessarily limited to what you have in front of you right now. That's right. Actually, what God wants to do is to enlarge your capacity, enlarge your heart. Yes. Oh, we could talk a lot about that, but I'm trying not to be distracted. There's a scripture, it says in Psalms, it says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you have enlarged my heart. One of the reasons we're going to weep before the Lord It's not because, oh, this is so beautiful. I'm weeping for joy. No, no, no. We're going to see what we could have had. Every moment we spent in self-pity, blaming the world around us, was a moment we did not deepen and improve the soil of our heart. And the Lord is saying, I can bring a better harvest that's the point I can bring a better harvest so you have these great scriptures and all that's, all that's good but uh, Jesus not only ministered this truth to the disciples but he was, he was ministering that same truth to the Pharisees Did you know that? The nature of the word of God, the nature of the truth of God is that it changes the constitution of the soil of your heart. So when the Pharisees came around, all of a sudden Jesus became unusually harsh, right? You know why? Because you can't deal with stony ground the same way you deal with perfect ground. You need to bring out the pickaxe Right, you need to start removing some of those stones, and so what God is saying to us in, in, is this for our lives: is, is like, listen, everybody I chase, and I'm chasing for you for your own good because I'm trying to re- remove from you the stones in your heart. Isaiah 62:10, take out the stones, take out the stones, prepare the way. But this was the whole message of John the Baptist about preparing the way for the Lord, but it really is about preparing the way in, your, in their hearts. And one of the things that he says to the Pharisees, he says, who, John the Baptist is preaching, he said, who told you to flee from the wrath that's to come? Bring forth fruit appropriate for repentance. In other words, repentance changes your capacity for harvest repentance. Well, what I already did repent. Yes, good. <laughs> One of the things I discovered is that is that when you get into clearer light, clean things don't appear as clean as you thought they were. <laughs> you know, you clean your glasses, then you step outside, it's like, "Geez, I just cleaned these things. These are filthy." And that, that's the story of our lives. We are, we are approaching God who dwells in unapproachable light, a, the, the brightness of which we cannot fathom, and the brightness of which not only eradicates and burns up hostile things, but as you come near, it, it becomes clear. Repentance is your response to light. And your response to light is one, is one of two options. You either embrace the light or reject the light. Let me, talk, let, me, let me tell you what rejecting the light is. You made me do this. If only you were nicer to me, I would be nice. If you hadn't said this, if you hadn't done that. No, no, no. These circumstances of our light are to show us what's there. We like better people in our life, nicer people, easier, easier people are easy going because they don't bring forth the wickedness. But here's the principle. We need to understand this. This is always the way forward. Repentance. And repentance is simply a response to truth saying, yes, that's the truth. Yes, that's the truth yes that's the truth yes that's the truth I am the problem I am the man this came out of me I it, I'm, I'm looking to deal with the stones in my own being but, but we spend all of our time defending ourselves justifying our words justifying our attitudes well, you know, well, it's human to justify. It's human to, we're fallen, that's what we do. Well, yeah, but that's why he's changing us. So that one day, you know, maybe not on the cross, but if people are actually killing us, we will be busy interceding for them. That's what Jesus did. They're killing him, he's interceding for them. Like, that's really hard to do. What what a disciplined life. Out of the abundance of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart. Well, how do you get there given how petty we are? How fragile we are? How do, how do, how do you transition to that place? Don't give yourself license. Don't allow yourself to excuse yourself. That's all, all it takes. Take responsibility. You spewed wicked words. Don't, yeah, well, I was, it was a bad day. no. It wasn't a bad day. It was a great day. You got to see what was in your heart. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How much truth do you want? I, I got enough. I don't want that light to penetrate any deeper. It's ugly down there. <laughs> but this is the nature of transformation. The blood of Jesus is not a free pass to heaven only. It's a free pass to the presence, the consuming, unapproachable light of God that changes you. Yes. It, it means you can enter the most intense parts of his light and not die, perish, pass away forever. Instead, you're transformed. That's what the blood of Jesus gives you. So there's no penalty in eternity for what the light discovers. That's what justification is. Doesn't matter what's there. Doesn't matter how deep, how how much shame, how much wickedness, how much selfishness there is there. Just expose it to the light. Yeah, but I feel bad about it. So I wanna I wanna instead I'm gonna compartmentalize my life and there's gonna be who I am in, in my secret place and who I really am. That's what I'm trying to be the nice person out here. And God is I'm God is against your nice person version of you. He's against that. He wants you to see what he already knows is there. That's freedom. Because he can cleanse it, he can remove it. Well, how long is this going to take? Longer than you think. (laughs) Oh, man. What's important here is, and this is, a, this is sort of bordering on another part of what's missing in the body of Christ right now, is, well, let me put it this way. Kids that are losing baseball and soccer games are still getting trophies. What is that? That's a symptom of what the church has been doing. Do you know everything that in the world is there because we allow it? Whatever we allow in our culture as the church gets replicated in greater form out there. So you can actually trace everything that's that's flourishing in our culture that's deceptive and dark and ugly had its genesis in the church. And not 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 only in the church except that we're the only ones responsible in the sense of we're the only ones that have the power to change that. But if we're doing the same thing as them, so what does that look like? Oh, I can feel the confusion. In Jesus' name, I pray for a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of God. I break the power of confusion. Right now, there is a spirit contending to keep blindness over hearts. I declare in Jesus' name. A breakthrough, a breakthrough of light, a breakthrough of humility, a breakthrough of repentance in Jesus' name. I use this language for what God did with me when I was a young Christian. He held my feet to the fire which means he didn't let me squirm away from uncomfortable truths that were designed to ma- nail me to the cross with Jesus. I mean they were he was trying to kill something in me, right? We have to bear our own crosses. Do we know how to do that? What does that mean? It means there's something in you that God wants to kill. Not just reform, not just educate. God can't educate your flesh. It has to die. And so God held my feet to the fire, and I'm so glad he did. You know, one of the things, one of the foundations that made that possible is I had disciplinarian parents. I had parents who didn't justify everything I did all the time. Now, let me ask you, what is happening in our public schools, right? Right? Parents come running to the rescue of their child. Not my Johnny. My Johnny would never do that. It must have been the other kid. My Johnny's always nice, always says the right things. Your Johnny is a monster. (laughs) My parents, they disciplined us. Furthermore, when I got into trouble at school, they didn't come to school to defend me. They came to make sure the punishment was worthy. (laughs) When we, as parents of the natural, defend our kids against the consequences of their actions and words, we demonstrate that that's what we're doing in our own hearts. And when we do that, we sow something into the culture of the day, and we get to the point where there's no personal responsibility for anything. So, how do we turn it around? Well, we get somebody in office who can make the rules the right way. We get somebody on the school board. Yeah, okay, that's great. That'll mitigate to a certain degree, but if we don't change what we're doing in here. If Christians don't absorbing the start absorbing the truth in a quantum fashion, allowing God to hold our feet to the fire. I mean, it's plain and simple. When when you explode in negative words, negative thoughts, attitudes that are that are judgmental and 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 uh, condescending to people, that's not good. I don't care what shape it took. That's poison. So, you don't have to you don't have to know well, yeah, but if you put food color on it, it looks different. I mean, there's no modification of that stuff that makes it any better. It has to be thrown out. But we, in somewhere in our hearts, we're, we are knit together with that stuff. We, we won't let it go. We feel shame. We feel embarrassment. We don't even really want to face it. So we're always trying to get away. It's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. When God came down as soon as they had eaten of the tree, suddenly their disposition, their response to the light was very different than it was the day before. Every day before that, they greeted God happily. Oh, this is so great. The Father's coming. Woo! Today, it's like scurry away in fear. A natural response to hide and conceal. What is that? That's what the fallen nature in our being is. So what's the answer? Pretend that's not real. Well, we don't have to do that anymore because now the blood of Jesus, you know, made away. Well, the blood of Jesus is made away so that you don't have to be condemned when evil is found in your heart. That's, right. that's, that's the only difference. But we still got to fix the evil in your heart. And we can do that without you being condemned. I can look God said, I could, I could look everywhere. I could search every corner, and it doesn't matter what I'm finding in there. You're not going to be guilty. Wow. Do you believe that? Yes, but I still want to hide. Oh, you don't believe it then. Right. Right. <laughs> you think you believe it. You have the theology of forgiveness, but you don't feel forgiven. Therefore, you're hide- trying to conceal everything you're guilty of. So yeah. What is that? Start asking right now, what is that? What is this thing at the core of my being that always wants to run from culpability and responsibility? Why do I always want to justify myself? This is what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. You are those who justify yourselves. And so God is coming to the church, to us with unapproachable light. God is coming to us with a fiery word that will hold our feet to the flames and cause us to have a purifying on the scale that we've never known. But the only people who can endure that fire are those that actually be, believe that they're saved, they're justified by the blood of Jesus. In other words, if, if you have any sense that what's discovered by the light of God will reflect poorly on you, then you don't want to expose anything. But once you realize that, no, um, I am hid in Christ with God, then you can with boldness look at your track record, look at your present condition, and realize that anything there does not speak evil of me. In fact, in the body of Christ, anybody willing... To embrace the truth and walk in the light is highly esteemed by heaven. Wow. I remember there was a time in my life uh, when I was uh, dealing with something. Somebody had offended me repeatedly and I kept forgiving them and walking away, going in trouble. This was a well-known minister of the gospel. A very, uh, how do you say, Somebody you would expect had a lot of truth, so I couldn't really find fault with them. Yet I kept not liking them because they kept doing things that bothered me. And I thought, I thought well, the, the trick here is to just ask them, you know, or, or forgive them. So I'd pray and I'd forgive them and I'd, and I'd repent. And I'd say, I said, Lord, this is me. This is all about me. I'm selfish. I'm childish. And I'd go away and I'd come back and I found those resentments were still there. And I was thinking, what I need to do is uh, get together with him. But I didn't want to do that because I'd have to expose my childishness. And I knew that any mature person would, would, would realize that you felt that way because you're less mature. That's what I, that's what I thought it would feel like, but actually what it does, when somebody comes and repents like that, you begin to see that they're more mature because they took responsibility. But the fear is, and this is what fear does, if I expose this, this annoyance, the very fact that I was annoyed like that, I should be bigger than this. Well, part of what I want to deal with, Mark, is your delusion about where you are in the journey. Yeah. That is the reason you hide as well. Because yeah. you want to appear to be further down the road than you are. And so I had to face my fear. I had to face the discomfort. I had to face the shame that was trying to guide me and say, no, I I can't do this because I want to be free from this resentment. I can't do it. I, I tried through secret repentance. Now I have to do open repentance because open repentance is stronger medicine. It is. But what we can't escape when it's there is this this thing that turns away from the light that's what God is saying deal with your heart deal with the stones what are the areas that you come to church you just hope the preacher doesn't preach about I sure hope he doesn't talk about pornography today (laughs) chances are you might have pornography in your life Now, we're not going to talk about pornography, but the principle is this. The thing you don't want to deal with is the thing you don't want to talk about. And God is saying, "Uh, I could deal with all of this, I could change the very nature of the soil of your heart. What is the process? What is the process? Let me read this passage from Jeremiah. Jeremiah twenty three twenty eight Says, the prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has a word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire? says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. So we have this scenario where Jesus is dealing with the disciples, he's dealing with the people, he's dealing with the Pharisees. When it comes to the Pharisees, like John the Baptist in Matthew 3, verse 7, he says, uh, he says, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of Repentance. And do not think to say by yourselves to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So listen, don't don't spend your time justifying yourself, Pharisees. Instead, I'm I'm extending something to you. I'm bringing a hard word to you. I'm bringing a laser. I'm bringing a hammer because there are stones in your life that I could break up and change the constant. I, I can change the fallow nature of one of the squares of your heart if you just let me do this. What does that look like? Have you ever? Uh, have you ever been in a situation where you're wrong? where you uh, have done wrong and somebody keeps revisiting that thing? Well, Jesus did that to Peter. You know, after Peter bragged like crazy that he'd never forsake him, that all these others are jerks, they're weak, they're chaff to me. <laughs> That's, that was Peter's boast. And then Jesus said, no, you will betray me three times and he betrays him and then Jesus comes and meets him on the beach at that time and of course who's feeling sheepish? Peter? Yeah, yeah I guess I was a little out of line there but you know oh, but let bygones be bygones you know it's like it's in the past we're done but Jesus wants him to come fully face to face with this See, yeah, yeah, that's great. No, yeah, forgiveness is a thing. Yep, I mean, you. After all, you said you know seventy times seven, right? Jesus, oh, like we're let's get past this. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? What does he? And he's he's not he's not there just to make Peter feel guilty. He's there to resolve the discomfort and the inability of Peter even be around the idea of his failure I can't I guess I, I want to get away from that chapter of my life I want to get away from that failing and so he goes after it what is he doing he's doing what we should be doing in revival meetings which is bringing the fire of God Holding people's feet to the fire. When you read about revivals in the times past, what you saw was was people being brought the message of God's holiness, God's righteousness, to be able to let that the fire burn it's like they'd go for weeks, night after night after night, and people would come and they'd repent. Now, what happens over time is eventually you get a form. And I have to say this so that we understand what happened and why God swings from the severity of the chastening to the love of God to the chastening to the love of God. Both are parts of his character, but what happens is once we're introduced to the chastening, that becomes the form. In every meeting, I've been in meetings in certain parts of the world where every meeting, it's it's weeping and sorrow, but it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like, well, this is what we do in church. And so they're, they're doing this, and I'm thinking, yeah, but you're not really repenting. You're actually exhibiting righteousness. That's what I feel in your tears. Not, oh, God, forgive me. It's, oh, look how wonderful I am by the way that I'm repenting. This is how subtle and sinister the heart is. We have, we're chameleons, and so we learn a form, And we get it pat down, you know, and we do it artificially, and we think, oh, this is great, this is what we are. And God says, yeah, I'm going to change the formula, go over here start talking about the goodness of God. And all the people that were caught in the chase, no, no, that's not the gospel, this is the gospel. And then what happens, we preach the goodness of God over here, and people, oh, yeah, now I don't even have to think about my sin anymore and what's wrong with me, and let God break up the fallow ground of your heart. That's Old Testament stuff. Now we're, we're just secure in who God is, and all of a sudden our form is, is God's happy with me, nothing wrong with me, no flies on me, mate. And so God says, okay, we need a little glory. We need a little fire. We're about to move in to the fire season, without leaving the love of God season but we desperately need the fire season to deal to burn deeply in our hearts to change the constitution of the soil of our our lives God is going to leave no stones unturned but the purpose of the fire is that this thing would drill down deep now I've shared this story. I won't share the full full, uh, full story. It just takes too long, but I was in my room one night. Christ of the Nations and the glory of the Lord came in the room, but it wasn't the I love you so much glory. It was the fire revealing how deep it goes glory. And it penetrated through every facade, through every seemingly appropriate, obedient, Christian discipline. And I saw that everything, my Bible reading, my fasting and praying, my my trying to be smile and be nice to people at school, as at Bible college, my I mean everything I was doing, going and dancing and worship the Lord, everything that was supposedly good. Once God took the lid off of it by burning, I began to see what it really was. And it was all selfishness, everything. And it, it was so painful. I can't tell you how painful it was. The, the sense of, I couldn't bear it. I literally ran from the room to get away from the light of it because I didn't know what to do. Now, thankfully, there was a guy in the room upstairs who prophesied over me the love of God in response, without knowing what had happened, he just—he's the only other guy in the prayer room. I didn't even know he was in the room. I was bawling on the ground, like contorting under the weight of the glory of God, feeling like, "What do I do now?" I mean, this is—I can't love me. How could God love me? And then the Lord healed the wound. But the hardest part was seeing how bad it was. How, can, how long could you stay in the furnace of the fire of the Lord? The revival meanings of old were days upon days upon days. When Smith Wigglesworth preached, he preached with a glory that causes them to feel the fear of God. Some of the revivalists, they would preach and people would feel like the earth was about to open up and they would fall in. And so the repentance went deep and the transformation, therefore, went deep. The message we have preached has uh, endorsed sin. has given us a pass. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter how bad it was. God's forgiven you. Well, that's great. Okay, my... My, uh, my record is clear but my substance is unchanged see the work of the kingdom is not just to give you a clear record so you can go to heaven it's to change who you are now yes. Yes. that's the power of transformation in the glory of God let's just pause for a second we don't have to understand it we don't have we don't have to know how to deal with it. What he's looking for right now is a response that says god i'm 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 tired of dealing with what James calls the overflow of wickedness in my life. I want you to go deep this time. I want you to go right to the root in this season of my life. I want you to change the iniquity of my family." line I want you to change the product of 1500 decisions over the last 20 years of my life I don't want just okay you can get in I want to produce a harvest of righteousness see there's two things there's going to heaven and there's producing righteousness A lot of people are going to be in heaven who didn't have opportunity or make use of the opportunity to produce righteousness. And reward, eternal reward, is not based on whether you prayed the prayer and went to heaven. It's based on whether you produced righteousness. These are two different things. Two completely separate things. The thief on the cross was told, today you'll be with me in paradise. Did he have opportunity to deal with the iniquity of his life? Not a chance. You're alive right now. You're alive here today. You have weeks. You have months. You have years. You have decades, potentially, to change the constitution of the soil of your heart. You want to make the most of that. And the beauty is you can do it in the shadow of a terrifying but endorsing Father, terrifying, but endorsing, I love you, let me burn the evil away. I totally love you. just sit still i 'm not really going to hurt you i 'm just going to increase you by burning let me let me burn to you. How much do you trust me? Stand still how much do you How much do you think i 'm for you? Let me do this now. Let me just quickly read one last passage because we wanted to uh we wanted to try and finish by about eleven fifteen today and begin to shift. Listen to this, and I I've shared this over and over. But people don't really understand the book of James. They don't understand what James was saying. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? What does he say? He said, the evil that's in the earth that comes out of your life, that's evident in your relationships and all the you where does it come from? It comes from inside you. It comes from inside you. I have the means to deal with this, is what he's saying. Yes. you lost, you do not have. You murder, you covet, you cannot obtain. You fight, you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you don't even know how to ask properly. So corrupt is your desire. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. So I'll jump down. He says, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Therefore, on account of this scenario, because this is the constitution that he's dealing with in us, what shall we do? Therefore, submit to God Resist the devil and he will flee, but draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Lament, mourn, and weep. When's the last time do we even know how to lament, mourn, and weep? I don't, I, I don't, I'm not even sure I could feel bad enough about anything to lament, mourn, and weep. But that's what the glory will do when it comes in the room and you start seeing how deep it really goes. And he's saying, he's looking for a church, says, is there a, is there a people out here who want this kind of transformation? Or do you just want the surface thing? I'm going to heaven. Woo-hoo! Whoop, whoop. And this is the two extremes of what's in the church right now. But the ones that are gonna change the course of history are the ones who allow this to go deep. He's talking to Christians, first generation Christians who had the apostolic gospel and still they didn't know how to appropriate it such that he has to give them this kind of message. Why? Because that's the nature of the stubborn, fallen flesh of man. We are resilient against the light, even the light we say we love. It's it's a change of nature that has to happen. How and this is what the Lord say. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? This is a treasure. The, my glory is a treasure. My fire is a treasure. The pricelessness of my nature will burn things out of you. You didn't even know were there. How bad do you want it? I will seek you. We are being invited to a season right now to seek him and be changed on a level we can't even begin to imagine. It's so powerful. But what does it mean? Well, how long do we do this for? Like a day? Maybe longer. And there's no set calendar. Well, if I, if I fast for 30 days, will, uh, will that do it? If I fast for 40 days, will that do it? Yeah, I don't know. There's no trick to this. There's no trick. It's humility, passionate desire, lament, mourn, and weep. Well, I can't even begin to feel that. How do I do that? Start with that. God, I am so unsensitive to what you want. I can't even acknowledge what's wrong with me. I think I'm pretty good. Doing a pretty good job as a Christian here. (laughs) So that's what I thought till he visited me with his glory and I saw that everything was riddled with self the chameleon of fallen flesh producing appropriate behaviors out of a corrupt nature I had become the Pharisee the scriptures so clearly portrayed as despicable and my cry was how do I even avoid this I didn't even know I was doing this how do I get past? He said, the Lord's like, I could, I could change that. Fire. Fire. Fire! Fire! So we want to say today, let's stand up together. We want to say today, Lord, that we trust you. We trust your desire for us. We trust your vision for our lives. When when Don Potter was saying that song, he says, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. We boldly sing that song, but it's because we're not really approaching the flame. Moses was approaching the flame, and he trembled. Father, We want to have the faith that emboldens us to truly approach the flame with the confidence that even though this could incinerate me, I trust the one at the source. God is offering on a silver platter a kind of transformation that the earth has been waiting for for 6000 years. Creation has been impregnated with a desire and expectation of a generation of believers who look so much like Jesus that the distinction cannot be made between them and him. What do we want? What do we want? Father, change me, change me, change me, change me.
1: Just a minute, Jen's going to just pray a prayer over us. She's felt uh, the Lord put something on her heart. I just want to read something to you. It comes out of 2 Corinthians 11, and this is Paul. He says this, he says, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Jealousy, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know, I read this, and I was reminded that Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. He's not coming back to save us. He's already done that. He's coming back to rule and reign with us. But in order to do that, he needs a spotless bride. And so this is the call to the church to pursue him, to go to the source, to become that spotless bride. And the only way to do that is to present ourselves to him. And if that ground is hard, the challenge has been laid before us. It's time to soften it up. And it only happens by pursuing him.
2: Yeah, I just feel the jealousy of the Lord in the room. You know, he's so jealous for our hearts right now. Isn't he? And and he will push towards us with the weight of his glory. And what will happen for us is we will feel the tension and and believe that we cannot handle our hearts being exposed. There's a part of us that will want to run from that. There's a part of us that will want to repress that. There's a part of us that will want to hide. There will be a part of us that will want to move into default. And I think that we're probably right that we can't handle the weight of his glory and we can't handle the tension of our hearts being out in the open. Only by his grace can we do this. And so what I would like us to do is to bring that part of us that's in that space of tension right now that is saying, I cannot handle this. I cannot handle it. I cannot do this. And... And, and absolutely surrender it to the grace of God. His grace buffers the weight, the intensity of his glory, and it will allow you to stand in the fear of God and be transformed. If we don't do this, we will be sick. We need to understand this, that when we yield to the fear of the tension of the intensity of this, we will become sick if we do not yield. And God wants a pure and spotless bride. But there is grace. There is grace. There's grace for every aspect of you that has yet to be exposed to God. There is grace for your sins to be before him to be before the cross there is grace for you to yield today there is grace and so lord i just pray right now that we would just tether ourselves to your grace as you push in with your glory as you push in with your jealousy as you consume us with your fire as you lay down the heaviness of your weight upon us and expose in your great jealous love the trueness of our hearts, the real parts of our hearts, as as your light shines on the dark places, I just ask for a spirit of grace to fall upon us as a people. I ask for it to catch us and hold us and consume us so that you may come so that we may be a truthful people, an honest people, an exposed people, a yielded people, a surrendered people, a broken people, a person whose heart is fully for God. I am my beloved's. And he is mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Why? Because he gave me grace. Because he gave me grace to live in the jealousy and the fire of his love and to be exposed for who I am. And so God, I declare a spirit of grace, a spirit of grace, a spirit of grace. And we invite your fire. Oh, we invite your fire.
1: So as you leave today, we're going to open the altars if you need to come. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open.